we're going to read together from the Bible, uh, from, uh, first from the Old Testament and then from the New Testament. We're going to read from the book of Hosea, uh, which is one of the prophets. It's on page 857. If you've got one of these church Bibles, page 857, it's Hosea chapter 6. chance to find that. It's on page 857 of one of these Bibles and Hosea chapter 6. Just before I read it, just to notice that the first few verses are, as it were, the words of the prophet speaking to uh, his or her fellow believers and the last few verses then are the voice of God who speaks into it. So we're going to start at verse 1 and read verses 1 to 6. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us into pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us, that we might live in his presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. What can I do with you, Ephraim? What can I do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears. Therefore I cut you in pieces with my prophets. I killed you with the words of my mouth. Then my judgments go forth like the sun. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. And we're going to turn over to the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. So on page 1108 of the, these church Bibles, page 1108, we're going to read from Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. So Ephesians 1 verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. 
in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity to the purpose of his will. In order that we who were the first to put a hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Two passages speak in different ways about what it means for us to worship God. Uh, and that's the kind of subject of what we want to think about. What it does it mean to worship God? Uh, Daniel, can we... So he, here, are, here are seven things. hope you can see those. Uh, seven things I want to say today about worship. Worship is... Uh, before I have a chance to say one or two things, I want you to talk about them. So here, here, here are things that I want to talk about, about what I think worship is. So... Why not pick one or two of them, maybe one that appeals, one that you like the look of, one you disagree with, and, and talk for two or three minutes with those around you. you know, what, what does one or two of those mean to you? Worship is. Take a two or three minutes. So, any, uh, any thoughts? Any particular thoughts people had when talking about that? Go on. Go on, yeah. Yeah. I have done that. And, but playing together also helps uh, on a wider spectrum as well. Anyone else? Any other thoughts particularly that came to you? Worship should disturb. It's a it's a good one, and there's a part of me that goes, I agree with that, and I think sometimes we disturb in the wrong way here. But um, but I, I find that quite a challenging idea because often you think about worship making us feel better, or but actually the idea of worship should disturb. I think it's right, but well, well yeah, okay, great. We'll talk about that a bit. Yeah, go on. So I get up in the morning, I get on my knees and I, I pray to God. And it's not a lot of the outside world will see that as, as me bowing and being less than. Whereas for me, it's a part of me in my head knowing that I'm asking God for that love. And, you know, it's worshipping my, my God knowing that I'm here because of my God and that is it. Um. Thank you, good doing, Mom. This is one of my uh, favourite prayers. This is a prayer that comes from the Church of England. It's part of a service uh, that they would have after communion sometimes. Father of all, we give you thanks and praise that when we were still far off, you met us in your Son and brought us home. All the echoes of Psalm 100 that we began with, with being the sheep of God's pasture, all the echoes of the parable that Jesus told of both being the lost sheep and the lost son. And of course, what it wants to say is that worship always begins with God. 
Because it's God who always takes the initiative. It's God who made us in the beginning. It's God who comes to find us, to bring us home. And therefore, anything we do is always in response to God. So it goes on to say, it says in about, may we who share Christ's body live his risen life. We've got to go and do something, but everything is always in response to what God has done for us first. When Paul uh, talks in Ephesians, all this praise to God is all based on what God has done for us. So we go down, Daniel. So here we go. Worship is our response to the majesty, goodness, and love of God. There's a sense in which we may have decided to come today, rightly, but actually everything we do is a response to what God has done for us. When I talk with my students at college about what we do on Sundays, one of the images I use is that Sunday worship is like a conversation. We talk with God and God speaks to us. But it's a conversation that God always starts. Because God does something first. And what we want to say back to God is always a response to what God has said to us. Thus we began with Psalm 100. This is God speaking to us. And we say something in response to God. And the second thing I want to say is that worship, I think, is a gift that we give to God but it's a gift of the whole of our lives. The, the quote is from a, a hymn we're going to sing a bit later. This is Isaac Watts hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Were the whole realm of nature mine that were an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. And that worship, therefore, is our gift to God but it's a gift of the whole of our lives. Uh, Sometimes we think of worship as something that happens here on a Sunday. But that can't be our gift back to God, can it? That's something far too small to offer back to God. Worship we must think of as the whole of our lives. Now we need to think about what does that mean for Sunday mornings when we meet together. But our starting point can't be this. Our starting point is God's love is so amazing, so divine, it demands everything. And we give it back to God as a gift. Now, there's always a danger, it seems to me, that when we talk about what what we do on Sundays, you know, and no doubt you might do when you go home after this, And we use the language of what we liked. Didn't like the sermon today, it was too long. What? (laughs) I'm talking about myself, Paddy. Uh, I didn't like the songs today, or I really liked that song today. But that's deeply problematic, isn't it? Because worship is not for our benefit. Worship is what we give to God. So to be honest, I'm not interested in what you like. What I'm interested in is what does God want from us? I've got a friend uh, who a few years ago was given a present for his birthday by his son. And it was uh, some DVDs. So this was in the time when 
you were watching DVDs, not streaming them. So he was given three Blu-ray DVDs as a present. They were films. Uh, my friend's into films. It was a good present. His son's even more into films, so this was a nice thing to give. They were good films to watch. But he says to his son, these are good, but I don't have a Blu-ray player. His son said, I don't know, but I do. Sometimes I think our worship can be like that. Actually, what we're interested in is what's good for us. What, what makes me feel happy and content and blessed and less concerned about what actually we are giving to God. If worship is a gift from God and is the whole of our lives, it must therefore include a whole range of things. Again, sometimes we we limit in our language of worship as as if it's one thing, as if worship is praising God, or as if worship is singing. And those things are worship. And Psalm 100 talks about those things. But actually, worship must include a much bigger range of things that we do. It must include praise and thanksgiving. But it must include times when actually part of our worship is to come before God and say that we're sorry. And actually, there's more in the Bible about what we do with our money than most other things. And therefore, what we do with our money and how we give it to God is fundamentally part of our worship. So we can't restrict what we think worship is is to some things and not others. Often our view of worship can be too narrow. It's not to say that those things we think about aren't worship, but it's to say that actually worship must contain a much greater number of things than that. This is whole life worship. So tomorrow, we worship God. But how will we worship God tomorrow? Well, in the way that you treat your family. And what you do, whether it's paid work or working some other capacity, or whether you're retired, what you do with your day tomorrow is your worship of God. Hosea speaks in that passage, uh, and God says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. See, and this is something the prophet said to the people again and again and again. They would say, you gather for your corporate worship, not on a Sunday morning, but when they gathered, and you think that's fine. And you have your sacrifices, which were the big part of it, And you think it's done. And God says, I want your worship for the rest of the week. I'm not so interested in what you do together. What I'm interested in is what you do in the rest of the week. That God didn't want sacrifices. He wanted hearts that were changed and lives that were shaped by mercy and justice. Can we go down, Daniel? So what should we say when we go home today? 
Shall we say our worship has ended? Our serving begins. Shall we say our service has ended? Our worship continues. Shall we say our service of worship has ended and our worship through service begins? I think I want to say probably something like the third one. Yes, and we'll come to that in a minute. We, we gather to worship God here, but worship is something which is a gift to God in the whole of our lives. So how will we go and worship God tomorrow? Daniel, thank you. So a danger can be that we think of worship uh, simply on a Sunday when we're gathered here and forget the rest of, the, of, our, of our week. A different danger could, of course, be we don't think we need to come on Sunday at all. We can say, well, I worship God perfectly well on my own, thank you very much. Why do I need to come to church? So the fourth thing I want to say is worship is something that is shared. We we follow Jesus together. Being a Christian is not an individual sport. It is a team sport. We do it together. It matters, therefore, that we come together on a Sunday as part of our whole life worship. It's part of the way that we respond to God's love and majesty and goodness and part of the way that we give our gift of worship back to God. And it seems to me that when we come together, one of the things that we're doing is encountering again the love and grace of God. Now, I want to be cautious at the beginning because I think sometimes over the years we've played too much on the fact that worship does something for us and we judge it by whether we liked it and whether we felt good. Worship is something that we give to God. The Blu-ray DVDs, remember? We give it to God for God's benefit. But we give worship to a God who is full of love and grace. And we give our worship to a God who has called us and invited us to come. So we should expect that when we come to worship, we encounter this God again. And here is a God of love and grace. So we can expect to know again God's love and grace when we come to worship God. Not because worship's for our benefit, but because in what we offer to God, God always responds in love and grace. In the midst of things going wrong, Hosea has this beautiful image that says, you know, God's faithfulness is like the sun. It comes every day. Well, most days in our country. He contrasts it, of course, with the people's love, which is like the mist that goes in the morning, unreliable. But God's love is always faithful and true. So we should expect, when we come to worship, to encounter God's love and grace, and therefore that to do something to us. It ought to be a benefit to come to worship God. But that's because God is gracious to us. But again, it might do more than just something that we like. Now, Of course, 
there may be things that those of us involved in Sundays do that you don't like. Uh, and it may be because we've done it wrong. It may be that we have messed up in some way and you couldn't hear or whatever and you go home thinking that was, wasn't very good. And we apologize for that. But you should not like everything in worship. And if you like everything in worship, something's gone wrong. Because worship is to come and encounter the God who made us. Worship is to come into the presence of the living God, our creator and our redeemer and our judge. Whenever we come to worship, God will say yes to us. Yes to us as people he loves. Yes to us as as people he has died for in Christ. But God will also say no to us. God will say no to our selfishness. And God will say no to our pride. And God will say no to some of the things we have thought and said and done in the past. And that will make us uncomfortable. And that will disturb us. Now there are times when we may come to church on a Sunday together and we may leave with a lighter step, knowing our sins are forgiven, knowing we've encountered God, knowing we've been blessed and encouraged. And that's a good thing. But sometimes we need to leave worship disturbed and confronted because in the midst of God's yes to us as his people, God has said no. You need to change. And that's why, if we like everything at worship, something's gone wrong. It's like Blu-ray DVDs again. We've thought about the things that we like that make us feel better, and we haven't heard the voice of God speaking to us. Yes, you are my children. No to things that we have thought and said and done. Uh, let me end by talking about the last point one, one more time. Uh, we've looked over the last few weeks a number of images of church. So I want to add one more today, which is I want to think about church a bit like school. Now, I realize for some this is a bad image and brings back all sorts of current ideas or previous bad memories. But here is a place for us to learn together. And we're learning how to worship God. Worship of God is something for the whole of our lives and for the whole of eternity. Here we're learning how to worship God. Sometimes people may say, actually, I'm glad to come on Sundays, a bit bit of a boost to help me get through the week. That's not enough, I don't think. Here we need to learn together. How do I worship God tomorrow? This isn't because some of us have got the answers and we're simply telling you that's not how it works. not how it works in schools anyway anymore these days or universities. It's about learning together. And clearly those of us who have some responsibility for what happens have a responsibility saying, well, how are we learning? Here is a place we come together to learn how do we worship God. 
not just in this hour and a half, but tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. How do we do that well? Well, that's what we're trying to learn together here on a Sunday. So we're going to sing. And we're going to sing that great hymn by Isaac Watts. When I survey the wondrous cross, this is the last chorus, the last verse of it. Uh, And we're going to use the hymn to help us respond. Here is a moment when we're going to worship together in song to help us think about how we worship when we leave and all week, how we can give to God this gift of love and worship. When I survey the wondrous cross. <laughs>